Chapter 45. Heart Attack. Commences with Ezekiel 36, 26. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Solomon's lifelong search for meaning, satisfaction and relevance was a very private battle that he fought deep within his heart. Sure, the players in his battle were very obvious. Excessive wealth, women and work. But his struggles with God's blessings were spiritual, personal and hidden. In just the first two chapters of Ecclesiastes, where Solomon sets the scene for his end-of-life testimony, he talks about his heart more than a dozen times. He presents it in very private terms such as, In my heart and I communed with mine own heart. It seems that Solomon wants us to know that his struggle against the spirit-deadening effects of affluence and his dead-end searches for true satisfaction occurred in his secret life, deep in his heart. But now that he has found the answer, identified the solution and been freed, he wants everyone to know. Of course, there is much debate as to whether Solomon actually repented late in life, but I'm comfortable with not knowing that for certain. It reminds me that my decisions from today onward can lead my heart toward or away from God. And it makes me even more determined to let the Holy Spirit guide me moment by moment. Solomon's calling and life accomplishments and mine are galaxies apart. Yet, as fellow sinners in a fallen world, we also have much in common. After years of soul-searching and pursuing a cure for my seemingly terminal sickness of pride, Phariseeism and self-reliance, I had an epiphany. One of those light bulb moments when everything becomes crystal clear. And here it is. Take a big breath. No matter how clearly David, Solomon, Kierkegaard, Malachi, Isaiah, Paul, Latono, Yancey, White, Wesley, Stott, Graham, Hughes, Lewis, Chrysostom, Gandhi, Chalmers, Busso, Bacon, Zacchaeus, Nicodemus, Bonhoeffer, Carnegie, Mother Teresa, Luther, Rawls, Chambers, Levine, Eckhart, Forsyth, Mann, Job, Moses, and even Christ outlined the vanity, transience, futility, and deception of wealth to me. And no matter how often I read and tried to put into practice their advice, I couldn't get all of the clutter out of my heart. Sure, I had instances where I was given victory over individual items, such as expensive wristwatches, extravagant skiing trips and other luxuries. There was also a more or less continuous string of what I felt were significant donations, as a good Pharisee would, (laughs) of time and money to church missions and other real needs. I even had times when I was so focused on spiritual activities that, as the chorus goes, all the things of earth grew strangely dim. Many times I had my heart so clean of worldly desires that the door swung freely inward and my communion with Jesus was simply wonderful. I would also like to think that as the years passed, I had substantial, progressive improvement with my pride, my Pharisaism and my self-reliance. But there was never a clean sweep of my heart that was permanent. As clean as it seemed to be at times, there was always something I'd missed. Like gold dust on the floor of a jeweler's workshop, the floorboards of my heart always harboured the dust and very fertile seeds 
of the loves of this world. I had to acknowledge defeat. My heart was beyond cleaning. You see, I am by birth and by action a sinner. I have a sinner's heart, and sinners' hearts are not just filled with the love of this world. No, they are intrinsically formed from and composed of the love of this world. Worldly desires are the very structure and fabric of our natural, sinful hearts. As such, for me to follow Scripture's command to love not the world nor anything in the world would be unavoidably suicidal. It would require a literal self-annihilation, a heart attack of the most heinous sort. And therein lay my epiphany. I didn't need to empty my heart. I needed a whole new one. Ezekiel 36, 25-27 tells me just what I needed. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. And so it was that during my journey, which you have so patiently followed, my heart was exchanged. Not because of any works I had done or anything I had accomplished. I simply repented of my years of misdirected worship. Then I grasped the handle of my heart's door and began to pull on it. Much of what happened next is still a mystery to me. But the outcome is that I accepted, though not for the first time, a new heart. It was still a heart of love, but no longer was my love for this world or anything in it but for my Saviour, for others, and for the world to come. So now that I have a new heart, does that mean that I don't need to do all I can to keep it clean and clutter-free? No, God forbid! I am painfully aware of what I allowed to happen to my last heart, so I am all the more determined to protect and keep pure my beautiful new gift. I have fixed my new heart on things above, and I plan, through God's strength, to live every day learning to love. Through Christ's strength, I've turned my back on the things of this world so I can more fully focus on his eternal riches. As Paul said in Colossians 3, 1-5, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. I've had a heart attack, and part of me has died. It's been put to death. But another part of me is so very, very alive. 